In John chapter 16, Jesus looked at his people and he said, it's better for you that I go away because something better is coming. Well, he was referring to the Holy Spirit, but I would steal the words of Jesus this weekend and say, Cape Christian, it's better for you that I am going away because something better is coming. I'm so excited to have my friend, Pastor Chris Harrell from Orange County, California, back with us this weekend. For those of you who don't know Chris, he planted a church three years ago called Our City Church, and annually we have been investing into him, his team, and his vision. They are one of our church plants that we are a part of. Also, Chris and I have been friends for almost 20 20 years. He's been here multiple times. If you've heard him before, I know you're excited. If you've never heard him before, you are in for a real treat. Let's welcome back to our stage, my friend and yours, Pastor Chris Harrell. Hey, uh, I just want to say it is such a huge honor uh, to be back with you, and I'm going to welcome everyone. If this is your first time here, I want to welcome also everyone that's watching online. Thank you so much for being a part of Cape Christian online or here. Uh, it's it's a huge privilege to be back with you. I really want to say a big thank you to Pastor Corey and also to all of you who uh, give to the vision here and you support this ministry and who this ministry supports. Uh, our city church made it through COVID. And it was tough. Some of you may not know this, uh, but California is a little different than Florida. And um, yeah, uh, you know, I know some of you are like, you know, when you used to, some of you, when you were kids, you used to go like, God, send me anywhere, but just not Africa, right? Now it's like, God, send me anywhere, but just not California. Um, so, hey, but I'm there for you. So you're welcome. Thank, thank you. Keep me in prayer. Um, and uh, God's doing a great work. We're very um, blessed. God's doing awesome stuff through our church. We're seeing people come to Christ. Um, we started a brand new um, uh, building campaign. We're going to try to buy a building in the next two years. Our, our, our brand new little three-year-old church uh, pledged and uh, we're just going to see what God's going to do. So thank you for making it happen. You know, like a new company can't support itself. It has to get a business loan or it has to get capitalists, like investors, venture capitalists to come in. And that's how a business does it. In the church world, uh, it's kind of a similar concept, except you need generous churches that are capable of being able to come alongside you as a baby church, a new church. And uh, we wouldn't be doing what we do without you. And so thank you so much uh, for what you guys have done here at Cape Christian. We love you so much. Uh, if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it to John chapter 11. We're going to look at some things uh, that happen in the life of Jesus that I think have uh, a lot to say to you tonight, no matter where you are, who you are, or kind of where you're coming from. I, I believe that uh, it's not an accident that you're watching this right now or that you're here right now uh, and that God has some intentional things he wants to say to you. Um, if, if we haven't met uh, well enough, I want you to at least see a little bit about me, my family. I got a couple pictures of my family that'll come up here. Uh, my wife, her, her name's Brenda. That's my beautiful wife, Brenda. And um, gosh, isn't she just, right? Some of you just need to believe in prayer right now. It works. Okay. Don't forget that. Never forget prayer works. Um, I have something to say. That was me when I had a beard uh, and the whole thing. Uh, and then the Niners lost and I was um, in mourning. And so I shaved the beard, but then I kept the mustache for me. 
for me, this is my thing that I was just like, I, I want something that makes me look like you don't want to fight me. And I'm going to tell you, it's working so far. Like there's people that used to think they wanted to fight me and I see them now and they're like, who's this guy? I don't want to fight this guy. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Um, and I'm just kidding. Uh, and then this is our little baby girl, uh, Eliana Joy. Uh, that's our little girl. And that's us at uh, our city church birthday. So um, that's, that's my family. Um, before I get into what um, I, I want to share from scripture, I want to kind of set up what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Um, I was playing golf with a friend of mine and, uh, and his dad a couple months ago. And um, I love golf. It's, it's, a, it's a sport that I picked up about eight years ago. And I love it. I've just, I, I, I sold my heart of all other sports to play. Like I won't. So people are like, hey, do you want to play basketball? I'm like, no, because if I hurt my ankle, then I can't play golf. You know, so I like won't play darts or like shoot pool because I, I don't want to pull a back muscle or nothing. So like, uh, no, like I, I really just, I'm into it now. And I was playing with this guy and his dad, and we're on the 16th hole at this one course in California. It's a pretty tough hole. It's a par three, real small green. And his dad hits this shot. His dad's a stick. I mean, they're both very good. They're both single-digit guys. And he hits this shot, and it's beautiful. The moment you just psh, hits it, and we're all just like, oh, yeah, it's so good, right? And if you're a golfer, you know that when something's heading towards the hole on a par three, inevitably somebody's going to be like, oh, get in the hole, right? And depending on, like, how you participate, in extracurricular activities on your Friday and Saturday nights, maybe somebody might say something like, oh, buy drinks, let's go, right? Like, I don't know how you do it, but that's how they did it. And so we're watching it, it's going, and it, it like hits this spot, and it zooms right in and disappears into the hole. And, we, and, and we're just like, not we, I lose my ever-loving mind. I lose my mind. I'm like, ah, it's a hole-in-one, no way. Now, here's what's funny, is in the moment, I lost all sense of like, the difference between people, right? Like I am an extrovert, shock, and I am this outgoing personality that loves to celebrate great moments and to see them and look at them and take them all in. And so I was so excited. And this guy's like 6'3", you know, and all of a sudden I just like run towards him and I didn't remember that this guy is not a hugger at all. He's just kind of like. Thank you. Thank you. That was his response to the hole-in-one. His son was like, well done, Dad. Gave him a good handshake. I'm like, what is this? And I, like, couldn't. And I, so we're walking, and it was just, like, bugging me a little bit. So I just was like, hey, can I tell you something? He goes, yeah, what? I was like, man, that was an incredible moment. Now, I realize that might have been a little over the top for you, and I would like to just, for my part, take responsibility, okay? I just want to speak to that. I want to just be able to be, you know, aware of myself and just say that. So that's on the table here, okay? I'm not trying to be like unaware of myself. I know that that's what happened to you. Um, having said that, dude, don't miss this, okay? Because I'm only out playing golf because eight years ago, my dad passed away and I had such a hard time. And the only thing that got me out of the house was that I lived near this golf course and one day I went out there and I was just like messing around with this like one golf club I had and this guy talked to me and before I knew it, I was hitting balls and I fell in love with the way it felt to hit a good one and kind of the rest became history. And I literally was like, I didn't say all that, but I did say, hey, I would tell you this, I would give anything to be able to sit um, in a cart, drive around and then to watch my dad, I was telling the son this, and to be able to watch my dad hit a hole in one. I was like, I can't do that. But man, that was amazing what just happened in front of me. And dude, all of a sudden the son was like, yeah, I never thought about it like that. Like I play, I play golf with my dad like two, three times a, a week. I'm like, don't take that for granted. I can't tell you how many sons are out there, how many daughters are out there that would love this experience and can't get it. And you got it. Don't miss what you have. 
And it was this real powerful thing. And then uh, he goes, uh, you should say that to my dad. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm with it. So I walked up and I was like, hey, I just want, and I literally, same speech, and it was a trip, right? And this is how it is for guys. Guys, I think we can relate to this. Um, some of the most like, like um, maybe stoic or um, nonverbal guys that like they show their love through their actions and their deeds and their character um, and, and, and how they provide and love and secure the family and stabilize the family and the, the future of the family, that's him. And when I mentioned what I said to him about like how cool it was, he stopped walking and he, had, he was carrying his bag and he looked and he had tears in his eyes and he goes, Chris, thanks for that. Um, I never would have thought about it like that. Uh, and this, um, that means a lot. I do need to take this in. I'm here with my boy. And, uh, and I said, you're, you're, you know, one day you guys are gonna be older, 25 years from now, 30 years from now. And you'll still be talking about the moment that you're living right now. So go take that sin, man. It's another five to seven minutes on this hole. Uh, depending on if I three put or not. And like, you just want to have this moment, right? And so they did, they went and had this moment. It was incredible, right? And here's the deal. This isn't just something that happens like to this guy and his son. This is something that happens in all of our lives. All of our lives have the capacity to be so used to how great it is that we miss what's great right in front of us, don't we, right? And we can get so ready we could get so negative about all these little finer, smaller things, and we hone in on the like few things that aren't going great and emotionally can't hold how great, amazing, awesome so many things are. Why is that? What is that about us? Part of it's in our, our nature, but part of it is also in our learned behavior. And I would even argue sometimes, it sneaks into the church, the place we should be modeling to the world what it looks like to experience God's joy, God's life, and be able to go, yes, I know they're gonna kill our savior, but we're still going to celebrate. We're still gonna heal. We're still gonna love. We're still gonna sacrifice. And we're still gonna show up and be able to identify what is going right amongst all that isn't going right. Because if we don't do that, Who's gonna show the world, right? Wouldn't you agree that the world isn't probably going to figure this out and show the church? If you're still waiting for the world to figure out how to have this positive through the storm attitude and to be having this deeper resolve that isn't based on the exterior circumstances, but is based upon an internal disposition of something greater, grander, stronger than you and your current emotions and the circumstances, if you're waiting for them to figure that out and give it back to you in the church. You got it mixed up. It's supposed to be the other way around. So how can we do this? How can we recapture this? How do we ready? How do we not miss out on the amazing things happening right now in your life? What is it that we have to pivot? How can we see it? What does God want us to learn how to do when it comes to this stuff? This is what's cool is God didn't want us to struggle with this or to miss this. And I think our world needs this now about more than ever. And as a dad of a little six-year-old, I'm learning how to do this. Even in my, my golf game, I hit a bad shot, right? And I'm instantly like, ah, oh, man. And I forget how many good shots I just hit. But my daughter, she's innocent. She's pure. She hasn't been ruined. She hasn't been trained by a negative culture in a society that always has to look at the, the, the worst part of it. So she just goes, I hit it. I see it's going into the sand. And I'm internally like, mm. and she goes, great shot, daddy. And I'm like, yeah. She goes, yeah, great shot, daddy. You hit it all the way in the air. And it went all the way over there. And she goes, I can't do that. 
And, and doesn't that slow you down a little bit and go, yeah, what am I teaching her? If I can't handle that, what is she gonna learn about her failures? How will she deal with the things she can't do when she doesn't tie her shoe on the first try? What is she gonna tell herself inside about that when she listens to me train her how I talk to myself when I can't do the thing on the outside? See, this is why it's bigger than you think. It's not just like, have a good attitude, be positive, good vibes. No, 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 no. It's deeper than that because you got grandkids that are watching you and you might be the best example because you raise their kids and you know that there's some stuff that ain't going right in that house. Oh, I got a few witnesses tonight. How about that? Right? And so you're like, that hour in your house, they might watch you and you might be the learned response that you believe they can do it. And see, here's what's cool is God wants us to, to do this. He wants us to be able to engage us and he doesn't want us to miss the amazing God moments happening all around us. And I'm not saying that that means everything that is happening around us is amazing. I want you to hear this. This is not saying you got every good parking spot, nobody was rude to you, the boss like, was fair, that you got the raise that you deserved or you got your cut or that no one broke up with you or no one like. I am not saying that's what life is. See, that's what the American in you thinks it means to have happiness and joy. But that's not in the Bible. You don't want anyone's life in the Bible. Not your American life, you don't. Go read the Bible and you tell me whose life you want. Not even Jesus's, that one sucked too. All my best friends leave me, they all lie. One guy sells me out for money, no one's here. They won't even pray with me. I finally tell them straight up they're fitting to kill me and they're like, sounds like a bad night, Jesus, we need a nap. And it's like, like nobody, you don't want anyone's life in the Bible that you believe in, that you base your faith on. So there's this part of the awesomeness of living in a great nation like we do that messes our Christianity up. And we start to think, oh, it means when my American life is going so good, that's when I'll be happy. No, God's faith, the faith of the scripture says, you can realize a deeper sense of something that is greater and grander than whether or not your kids ended up divorced or not. Whether or not she lied, he lied, they didn't. No, no, actually, all of that can still keep happening like it did to Jesus. And something can be deeper, stronger, greater inside of you. But that's what I think the church in 2022, we've got to dig back into that and find that, reclaim that, hold on to that. And I think here we get a chance to see it. In John chapter 11, uh, Jesus is in this place where he's doing ministry, okay? And all of a sudden, a couple people he loves that he's close with, that he's actually family with, comes up to him and, and they're talking to him about his friend. His friend's name is Lazarus. In John chapter 11, verse six, it says this. So when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. How's that feel? Does that feel awesome to you? Do you feel like the God of the universe is super empathetic towards you and your suffering? Hey, I'm super sick. And now, and those of you that know the Bible, you know that this story doesn't end very well for him in his sickness. Hey, I'm sick, cool. I'm gonna stay in Cabo for a couple days and I'll catch you on the flip side. I'm gonna stay where I'm at. I'm doing something, I can't come see you. 
I mean, we don't like to read it like that, but that's exactly what's going on. It's like he hears Lazarus sick and he stayed in town. Later on, verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 21, uh, the brother of Lazarus comes to Jesus, says, Lord, uh, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. Now we know that he died. So Jesus stayed a few more days. The man dies. The sister comes to tell Jesus that he died. Martha identifies that her brother is dead. And this is for any of you guys that are into theology and all the rest. This is so that we can unequivocally know Lazarus was dead. It wasn't just sick and he just was like, no, nah, he died. Okay, this is important for the way the rest of the story goes. And she says a faith statement about what Jesus could do. Now, for days, Jesus in this chapter, if you go back and read in uh, John 11, Jesus alludes multiple times to this grand miracle that he plans on doing. You will see the resurrection. I tell you, you'll see the glory of God. He says multiple times, you'll see the glory of God, Martha. Mary, hold on, you'll see the glory of God. You will see, there will be, he's not, he's not dead, he's just sleeping. Oh, we know he's just sleeping, but he's sleeping. He's, no, 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 I'm telling you right now, like, dude. And Jesus is making these alluded statements to the fact he's gonna do this great miracle. But nothing has happened as any of the family members of Lazarus wanted it to when it comes to God. And they keep going to Jesus to try to like manipulate him into doing it their way. I know none of us ever do that. But that's what they're doing. Hey, Jesus, you having a good day? Good. He died and um, I don't know what you've been up to, but I know you could do something about it. I mean, everyone's trying to get Jesus to do their faith, their way. And Jesus is doing faith his way. What do you do when the faith that you are living out is going different than the way you want it to? Because that's what we see them going through. They're dealing with that. He stays in town even two more days. Now we get down where he comes to the place where Lazarus, his, 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 his funeral was, the tomb is, the whole deal, right? And he comes and everyone's mourning, everyone's crying, and we see one of the most famous scriptures uh, to a lot of people, and it's, it's like a quiz question because it's the shortest scripture verse in all of the Bible. It's in John chapter 11, right in the middle of this story. Jesus shows up and he sees what's going on. He sees Mar Mary is crying. He's seeing all the Jews crying, all the family is crying. And the scripture says he is deeply moved in his spirit. He's deeply moved. He's sad. He is emotional. He is connected to what's going on. Even though he has said what he's going to do, he is still present with the pain of the people. Did you catch that? Even though he has in his heart and mind to do something great about it, he still shows up and is able to be where they are at. And Jesus says, where have you put him? Put him over there, he's in that tomb. And then John eleven thirty five 35 records Jesus' emotional response. It says this, Jesus cried. He cried a lot. The scripture that's famous is that Jesus wept. I got a question. Why would Jesus cry about something that he knows he's gonna reverse here shortly? Does that, has that ever occurred to you? That Jesus is crying about something he's actually already told everyone he's gonna do something about. I believe that because Jesus was the perfect Christian, he was the Christ, he was God in human flesh. He showed us how to live. He showed us how to, ready, feel. He showed us how to do relationship, how to be healthy people emotionally. You know what he showed us? He showed us how to emotionally show up 
to moments where the people around us are heartbroken and sad and unable to be able to deal with all of the different things they're facing. Even if he knows he could reverse it, he is still present. Shows up, he's there, he sees all of it, and he, gets, he allows it to hit him in his chest. Guys, this is critical for us as men. Our families need to see that we know how to emotionally show up and not just physically be there, but emotionally be in the room and be able to be in there. I'm not asking you to start crying all the time, but I am asking us as men, and I think it's important in 2022 that we know how to be firm, strong, with a plan here, here's what we're gonna do, have an idea, but still be empathetic about how everyone's experiencing what they're experiencing. It's critical. Now, some of the people, it says in verse 36, the Jews said, see how he loved Lazarus. Look how he loved him. Man, he loved this man. And this is where it kind of cracks me up a little bit because it's so classic people of faith and even just people around people of faith, just the culture, the world that it is, okay? Didn't start with us, watch this. Verse 37, here's some of the the, the faith-based people have to say. But some of them said, some of them said how he loved him, but some of them said, verse 37, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? The audacity of that statement strikes me. You know why? They're, they are scrutinizing his miracle of opening blinded eyes. You know what that tells you, right? There's always gonna be a group of people in every church that just gotta complain about something. I don't care, Pastor Corey, I know you're gonna watch this. I don't care how good you do it. I don't care how good you plan it, Pastor Bobby, Cindy, Mac, all y'all, guess what? All you leaders, everybody who's been in part, I'm gonna tell you right now, I don't care how good you are at getting it down in church and all the rest. There's always going to be people in your life and in your family and in your church, and sometimes there'll be the people who have been around church the longest that do it the worst. They will have to find something negative to say, even if you heal in blinded eyes. He heals blind people. Well, he walked on water. How come he couldn't keep Lazarus from dying? This didn't start in 2020. This has been going on. That thing in human nature, that thing that lives in some of you in this room and online, that thing has been alive and well trying to ruin faith communities since Jesus walked the earth and before. And you gotta be aware of it. And you gotta be honest with yourself and go, that's ugly, that's sick, that's a sin. That's not okay, that is not the the character of Christ. You know what I love about Jesus? He's undeterred. You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't fire back. Oh man, you guys can't ever be made happy. No, 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 that's, I'll say, I'm the preacher, it's my job to say it. But Jesus goes, you know what? I don't have time to deal with these trifling people. I'm on the mission right now. I got too many important things to do than to get caught up in these small little side arguments. So he moves forward and he stays emotionally connected with Lazarus' family's pain. 
Verse 38 says this, Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone that was laid across the entrance. Okay, so get the picture. That's the way they would bury him back then. They put a big rock right in front of the entrance, and he was in there. Jesus, the phrase that catches my heart, once more, deeply moved. He was moved earlier. He cried. He got his emotions processed. And guess what? He's moved again. Uh, if you've ever lost someone, if you've experienced heartbreak, if someone in your family has died, if you've gone through a divorce, if your kids have made choices that have just ripped your heart out, if there are things that have happened and you just go, man, why do, the, why do these emotions keep coming and going? I feel like I'm over it. And the next minute, it's right back. What, did, what is that? Well, what I want you to hear is that's what happened to Jesus. Jesus had the waves of heartbreak and sadness and he was deeply troubled and deeply moved. And then he cried and processed it and was able to kind of grasp it and move forward. And then he was struck with it again. This is a normal part of us. A lot of us might hear people in our lives, our family go like, why are you still sad? You need to get over her, get over him. Why are you still, no, no, no. But that's actually an ignorant approach to processing your emotions. You do have this need to grieve properly. And Jesus was God, perfect, perfect human, sad twice within this one like 25 minute period at the tomb. Sad twice, cried, processed his emotions and found himself deeply moved again. It's okay to be deeply moved again, to cry again, to get upset again, to be angry later and be like, oh. Jesus had these things too. He cried, he got it out, he moved on, he felt it again. He talked about it, he processed it. He's not deterred by any of this stuff. And I love that he is looking to do more than any of them comprehend and yet still is present with them. And then he says this, and this is when it gets good. Verse 39, take away the stone. Take away the stone. Jesus wants to remove the barrier between him and the dead man. What's in between? Lazarus and Jesus, this stone. What I see here today is that Jesus wants to remove the barriers that are also in your heart between you and him. And he knows that you might have this barrier between you, a big rock stone that's in between him, his voice, and you. And he wants to come and remove them. Whatever's in the way, he wants to speak to it. He wants to speak to the stone that's in the way of you and him, the way of your marriage experiencing more of him, the way of the way you are living your life experiencing more of him. Whatever it is that is in the way of his voice, of his power, of his presence, he wants to remove that stone. That is the character of our Christ is he looks at the things that, that, that gather in between us and him. Some of them we put there, some of them get put there by life, don't it? But Jesus is this one that says, I want the stone moved out. I want the stone moved away. Now, Martha, the sister, she's a very practical lady. We need practical people. But she also confirms again that this man is dead because she says to Jesus, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time, there is a very bad odor for he has been in there four days. By the way, that's one, two, three, four, 
Not like the current way in culture, we say like, man, it's, I've been in there for days. Not that four days, like actually four days. So just so y'all knew that. I think that joke's gonna work better tomorrow morning. It's okay, I'm learning, okay? We've come a long way, haven't we, Cape Christian? Remember, my first time here, I was happy to be in Cape Corral. Some of you still are working on forgiving me for that one. He smells like death, Jesus. He stinks. He smells like the results of his life. Up until now, Martha hasn't really understood what Jesus meant when he said she would see the glory of God. And Jesus reminds her in verse 40, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So Jesus goes back to what he has already taught her. And sometimes he needs to do this with us. He needs to go back and tell us, hey, I wanna remind you what I told you. I wanna remind you, and I don't want you to lose this. Why? Because we're like sheep, scripture says, and we lose our way and we forget stuff. I don't care if you learned it before. You gotta learn it again because he knows this about you. We should know this about ourselves. I lose sight of that. He's going back to what he already told Martha. Didn't I tell you I was gonna show you the glory of God? Didn't I tell you if you would only believe, you would see the glory? Yeah, I know, I know you told me that, but I'm, not, I'm having a hard time connecting with that because as you can see, it didn't work out so well. And Jesus gets that. So he's able to say to her, I, I told you what I was gonna do. Would you see the glory of God? And what of the glory of God? How do you make sure you don't miss the glory of God? Like the glory of God in our life, in our day, how do we take part in it? How do we access it? How do we see the glory of God in our own lives? Because God wants to show you the glorious things happening right in front of you. He doesn't want you to miss the stuff that's going on right there. And Jesus wants to make sure that she doesn't miss the glory of God. And, and, and that is a part of why we sing songs. That's why we as a church worship God. It's why we meet together in small groups. It's the reason that we invite people to church. It's the reason we do that. Why? Because when you see that new person coming next week for Super Bowl weekend, you watch them being like, I can't believe I'm at church. And all of a sudden they hear something that resonates with them. They're like, man, I'm, I'm thinking I might want to come back to this thing. You are watching the glory of God shine on a person's life. When you sit in that life group and you see people grow closer to him and their marriage is made stronger, you're watching the glory of God. And you can participate in that stuff when you engage the things that the church is making available for you. And this is where I just absolutely love it because now Jesus prays and he says, verse 41, it says, they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Now, Jesus knows that his father hears him. He's got a great relationship with his father. He is one with him. But he also knows, ready, that his relationship with his heavenly father is not just about him. And some of you Christians have not figured that out yet. You still think your relationship with God is mostly just about you, but it's not. There are things that God wants to do, yes, in you, no doubt. But there are things God wants to make sure he does through you, not just in you. He wants to do things in you so he can do things through you. And the way he does that sometimes can be as simple as the way you pray in front of your kids. 
the way you talk about the message on the ride home tonight, the way you talk about the things that you're happy that the church is doing, the way that you begin to shift the normal flow of how culture just always have to have something to be critical, negative, and bag on, and you start going, you know what? What if we just kind of pivoted that culture in our home and just began to say, could we find something we liked about our day-to-day? Can we find something we enjoyed about it? What if we just made it a point to be, to, to be like Jesus was in the midst of this? And he says, Father... I know that you always hear me. Ready? Verse 42, and I love this. But I said this. See, he understands how relationships work. He knows it ain't just about him, and he wants to make sure he's not asking God for power. He has the power. He's praying so everyone around can understand his relationship that it's available to them so they could grow in their faith. And this is who Jesus was. He allowed people to be able to grow in their understanding of God by the way he expressed it. He says, I said this, verse 42, for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe. I got a question, Cape Christian. When is the last time you did something And it was purely for someone you knew that does not believe in Jesus like you do. And that was it. You literally said, did, acted, shifted, changed, and pivoted what you were gonna do, felt comfortable about doing, would have normally have done. And you said, you know what? No, this is what's needed. And you shifted because that's what Jesus did. He took inventory of the moment and he goes, something else is needed right now other than me just doing what I know I can do, what I even would do, what I am emotionally moved to doing, but there's something else going on and I gotta make sure that I connect the dots for some of these other people standing around me. Verse 42, that they may believe, what? That they may believe that you sent me, that it's you, God, that is involved in this, and now he's gonna display his glory. Verse 43, when he had said this, he called in a loud voice. And I love that it says loud voice. There are some prayers that you won't and won't and can't whisper. Some prayers, you gotta speak up. You gotta get them out of your heart. You can't just be like wringing your hands. God, I just pray that you would just, if you can, if it's okay, if you don't have anything going on today. You gotta boldly come before the throne of grace like scripture says. You gotta learn how to speak from a position of boldness. Why? Because you know you have an ear to the king of glory, to the heaven, to the, the, the God of heaven, of earth. And you go, I can come and I can speak. God, I am asking you with as much boldness as I can. Would you change my heart? Would you help me engage this? Would you do something in this situation? That's how the son of God prayed. And if God, if Jesus prayed like that, I think it's a good example for some of us to go, you know what, maybe I'm a little too casual sometimes with the way that I talk about my faith or maybe I don't say anything for anyone else's hearing except mine. And it's not being like Henry the Hint Dropper, by the way. Like, oh, church was so good today. I wish everyone in my family would have gone. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not this, okay? That's not this. And if you didn't know that, I don't, come back next week. (laughs) Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. He had the clothes, grave clothes. He had the clothes of death on him. He stunk. 
His body had decomposed that had gotten into these cloths, these grave clothes stink, the stench, Martha was aware of it. She knew what would be, and she called it, and this is what it was. He had a stench, and it represented the place he was at in life. He was dead. And there are people within driving distance of this church that they are trapped in the decisions of their life and their spiritual souls are dead. And there are tombstones, rocks that are in between them and the ability to hear the voice of Jesus, to experience who Jesus is. And that's where Lazarus is. And he says, come out. He represented death and Jesus wasn't worried about it. Is that how you feel when people come into your church? and they still smell like the stench of their death, of their change that they need to make, or they smell like the sin they've done, they resemble it, they look like it, they act like it, they talk like it. Do you feel the way Jesus does? Or is there something in you that goes, um, when you clean all that up, then come on back. But you're kind of ruining our little like thing here. Uh, Jesus, <laughs> Church service would have been so much better, in my opinion, just my opinion here, if we could have just not, it was such a disruptive, they're just not, I mean, I just think, what? Not Jesus. He goes, get the stone out the way. Come out! Smell like you do, and it's gonna be fine with me. I am not intimidated by the smell of your mistakes. I am not intimidated by the brokenness of your heart. I am not intimidated by how many times you made mistakes. I am not put off by that. I want to remind you, he calls us with our grave clothes on. Stench, stink, and all. I am preaching way better than you are responding right now, Cape Christian. Jesus cries for us in our stubborn ways. He longs for us. He desires relationship with us. No matter how much we neglect, we forget, we are casual. We don't do anything that he wants us to do. And he wants to still bring us close to him, even if we smell and have the stench of our selfish, prideful, stubborn ways upon us. But he ain't done, and I'm not either. Watch what he does next. John eleven forty four. The dead man came out, his hands, his feet, wrapped with strips of linen, the grave clothes all around him. And Jesus, Jesus said to them, Jesus said to who? Them, who's them? Who's he talking to you? He ain't talking to God the Father. He ain't talking to Lazarus. He already talked to Lazarus. Jesus said to them, he's talking to everybody standing around. He's talking to everybody. He's talking to people who moved that stone. He's talking to everybody who was complaining and criticizing how he opened the eyes. Why couldn't he keep the man from dying? Maybe he didn't keep this man from dying because he wanted to do something with him when he was already dead. And Jesus isn't talking to the man he just raised from the dead. He isn't talking to God. He isn't talking out loud to himself. Those that knew Lazarus, that's who he's talking to. Those that love Lazarus, that's who he's talking to. Those that can smell Lazarus and his stench and his death. 
That's who he is talking to. And he says to them who have been alive while Lazarus has been dead, he says this to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Cape Christian, this is the call of God on you as a church, as a person, as an individual. He is calling you to move the stone out of the way of people who are trapped in their own death, in their own brokenness, in their own despair. And the stones aren't light, they're heavy, and you can't push them by yourself. You can't one-on-one -on -one some of these things. Sometimes it's gonna take more than just you to be able to love and push the stone and then get them into a place where they can hear the voice of Jesus. They can experience his power. They can know that he's there. And he says to them, I want you to take off the grave clothes. Can I tell you this? It is not Lazarus's job to get the stench and the smell of the clothes of death off of him. That is the job of the church. It is our job. My question to you is, when was the last time you were doing that job? Who are you sitting with, listening to, just helping pull the stench off of them? That means you gotta be around stink. That means you gotta be around stuff that smells, that's repellent. That means you gotta invite them. You gotta move the stone out the way and go. Uh, whatever's in the way of Jesus's voice to your ears, I'm gonna do all I can. Can I tell you, sometimes that's as easy, simple, just practical. How do, how do you make this a part of your life just to do it practically? For some of you, it's just gonna be this. Invite someone to next Sunday. Move the stone out the way with a text, with a phone call, with coffee this week and go, hey, I, you know what? I've been going to this church. I've been there for a while. Some of you know that. I really, I want to invite you because I think this next thing is going to really be impactful for your life. And, and look, dude, you don't have to come again. You don't even have to believe what I believe. That's not a requirement to come to Cape Christian. Just come with open heart, man. See what happens. When you begin to say, I'm willing to put myself out there, you put yourself into this place where Jesus can use you to move the stone. And then one by one, little by little, you start pulling off the grave clothes. Who is in your life that God wants to use you to bring out of tombs, graves, and brokenness. If we as a church will do this, I promise you God will transform this community. There are people all around this area and you will be the only person that they will say yes to because they trust you, they know you, they know you love them. You've been putting in relationship time and this is the place where we get to go. I could be a part of this. I could bring them into the earshot of Jesus. And so I wanna ask you, uh, even right now, I'm gonna ask some of you right now to get out your phone, right now. Get out your phone. Some of you already, as I was talking about this, have somebody in your mind, and I want you to bring up a text box to them right now. I'm not gonna let you get out of here and go in your car and think about it, because then some of you guys are gonna not do it, and I want you to do it. Come on. Faith is not what we say we believe, it's what we do with our belief. So put your faith in action. Let's be the real church right now. All you ain't got to do this. Some of you going to talk to them later, but some of you, you could text them right now and I want you to do it. I'm going to pray for these texts and I'm going to ask God to send out this technological, supernatural Holy Spirit wave to people around this city. And I'm going to believe that next week, there's going to be people sitting in these seats because of the people in these seats right now. The people watching online, right now I want to ask you to do it. Wherever you're sitting, send it to them. Say, hey, I'm going to send you a link. I would love for you to check this out next week. We're doing a big thing for Super Bowl. It's gonna be this, that, and the other. And share the stuff that's in the Super Bowl. On the way out today, there's gonna be invite cards that you can get. They're gonna hand them to you on the way out. You could use that as an invite card and just say, hey, I wanna personally invite you to come sit next to me. Bribe them. Tell them you'll buy them lunch. It works. 
I mean, come on. What's the price of a soul? Lunch? If you get somebody in here for the price of lunch, man, that's, that's a bargain. Can you imagine what would happen? Listen to me. If Cape Christian became known as the place where the dead come back to life in their soul, in their marriage, in their heart, where teenagers come back to an understanding of God, where there are people who return home, where, where adult children come home, where reconciliation happens. What if this became known as the place, the church that says you could bring your grave clothes on in at Cape Christian? Why? Because they won't judge you if you smell like the stuff you've done wrong. They won't trip when they hear that you on your second marriage, third, fourth. They won't care if you talk about the different addictions and issues. Why? Because this is a community that knows They've all been in the tomb of their own stench. And it was because of Jesus's power and voice that they came to life. And it was because a community of people that walked around them and said, hey, I'm gonna help get these grave clothes off you. Hey, that's my job. I'm a part of this following of Jesus. We're going to do it. You don't have to do it alone. That's the faith of Jesus. And that's the church that this city and the surrounding areas needs from you. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in this place right now and you would say, uh, my life is trapped in a tomb of broken despair of my own mistakes and I'm not following Jesus with my life. And I, I want, I, I hear him calling me out to a life with him. I know I got grave clothes on. I know my life kind of stinks right now. But preacher, if what you're saying is true and Jesus loves me and he calls me while I stink, he calls me while I'm in my mistakes, that's the God I'll give my heart to. And if you're in this place or watching online and that's you and you would like to choose to give your life to Jesus, I just want you to slip your hand up because I'm gonna keep you in my prayer when I pray here in a moment. If that's you, would you just put your hand up and put it up even in the text? Just put your hand up real quick. I'm gonna pray for you. You're like, I'm ready. I need to give my life to Christ. Yep, I see all y'all's hands. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank <laughs> you. The last thing is if you're in this place and God has just been tapping on your heart and you're in this story too but you're not the Lazarus in the story you're Martha you're Mary and maybe if you were real honest you was even them negative Jews that are looking in and going well he he healed people how come he couldn't do this and you have found in your heart for some reason it's easier for you to be critical and negative about the things that are happening at your church or in people's lives in your family than it is for you to see what's good. And you'd like to be honest with God about that and invite him to heal why that is that you are like that. And if that's you, with no one looking around, we just put your hand up in the air and say, God, do a work in me. I don't wanna stay like this no more. I don't wanna be like this. Yeah, 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 so many. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So God, you saw the hands, you saw the hearts. I ask you now to do your work. Move the stone away from our hearts. Speak your truth and your power. Call us out of the stench and death. God, put people around us that will pull the grave clothes off of us. And I pray, God, as we leave here tonight, that you would use us. Use us, God, to transform people's lives, to just bring them one step closer to your voice, to your touch, to your power. Lastly, Jesus, everyone who raised their hand to say, I wanna follow you. God, may this be the most important thing they ever do. I'm gonna say this prayer. If you raise your hand to follow Jesus, would you just say this prayer? Like you can say it from your heart. The Bible says, if you believe and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So I'm gonna say this prayer. Why don't you say this prayer along with me and make this your prayer and put your faith and trust in Jesus. Jesus, 
today. I admit that I'm a sinner and I need saving. I ask you to forgive me of my life of sin. I believe that you love me and that you died for me, but that you did not stay dead. You rose from the dead and you conquered my sins, my mistakes, all my shame. And now I can have new purpose and new life in you and your plan for me. I give you my life, Jesus. And I decide today to follow you for the rest of my life. Surround me with some real Christians who will help take these grave clothes off. Put me around people who will walk with me in my new faith with you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit to teach me how to follow you and to live for you. I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Come on, church, let's celebrate all the new life that happened tonight online in this house today. Wow. That was cool to just listen to all y'all saying it out loud. Bless you guys so much. Church, I want, to, I want to hear from Pastor Corey next week that you pack this place out, that some of you are going to have to go, you guys take my seats, I'm going to sit in the lobby. Why? Because there's too many new people, that's why. Too many new people. Go remove the stones from those people who need to hear the voice of Jesus and let's watch Jesus save lives in the coming week, okay? Cape Christian, I love you so much. Thanks for having me with you. We'll see you guys next time. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your weekend. Bye.